0: Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, the definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, Fantasy Football Mastermind, Michael Maserak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice, fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more, each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the fantasy football mastermind edge, Michael Nazareth.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. It is October 22nd. This is week eight of the 2019 NFL season. My name is Michael Nasrak and host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very gracious co-host and good friend, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? I'm feeling gracious,
2: apparently, so that's that's good. I uh, <laughs> can't believe it's week eight already, man. It's The it, season's
1: going so fast, but... Uh, we're here to have a good time about it. Almost the mid-season point. Uh, I, I know sometimes in the past we've talked about uh, guys, you know, you know the, the all-stars and the duds and stuff in the mid-season. Maybe we'll hold off and do that next week. I'm going to make a note, I'm going to put that on the template so we can talk about the strange and the surprises, the good and the bad and all that. Anyway, we do have a lot to talk about tonight uh, because two major trades happened in the NFL today. Last week, I remember, we were like, what are we going to talk about? There wasn't much to talk about. Well, this week, we've got plenty to talk about. There was also another a big injury uh, news information. People up in Detroit are unhappy about what happened. It's going to be the second straight year. They're going to go about their start running back for a while, but before – We get into that injury update. Let's get right to the biggest trade of the day, which has to be Emmanuel Sanders being acquired by the 49ers uh, from the Denver Broncos. So uh, Emmanuel Sanders now is is a 49er. Uh, They've been uh, having a dearth of quality uh, production from their wide receivers over there. One day it might be, Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis, but nobody's even had, I think, 200 yards in that team. And Emmanuel and, uh, Sanders almost has 400 yards in a couple scores himself. George Kittle is the big guy over there in 49erville, of course. Uh, meanwhile, back in, in Denver, Deshaun Hamilton now becomes the number two to Cortland Sutton there. Uh, and they might not be done wheeling and dealing, but I'm not sure if they're going to trade any more of the receivers, maybe cornerback Chris Harris or not. But the first thing that comes in your mind, Chris, is this a good trade for the 49ers, and what does it mean for Emmanuel Sanders and his fantasy value moving forward? Uh, actually, you know, I think of the two trades, this is the one that interests me the least. I think this has the least
2: interesting effects. I'll start with what he left behind in Denver. Like you said, he took a lot of attention and a lot of targets. This is just going to mean Courtland Sutton gets a lot more double coverage. He couldn't do that with a quality receiver across from him. I'm not sure Deshaun Hamlet can step in. And, frankly, after they're by, they're going to get Tim Patrick back from injury, and they like him better. So I think this is kind of a yeah, situation for Denver. They're kind of going in the tank. And as far as Frisco is concerned, yeah, he's going to be their best receiver as soon as he gets up to speed, whether it's, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, whatever it is. Probably makes Dante Pettis nearly irrelevant. Uh, I'm going to guess maybe the occasional long ball and certainly makes Jimmy G's value go up, but this team is still going to run the ball a lot. This team is still going to rely on their defense a lot. They're not going to be behind where they have to pass a lot. They just now have a guy they can go to and they can draw number one coverage when they need to. So I don't think it's going to help Sanders. I don't think it's going to really help the 49ers' offense that much, except for maybe seeing less guys in the box, and it certainly doesn't help Denver. So this is a trade where I really don't think from a fantasy perspective there's really a winner here.
1: Okay. Well, I know that uh, actually Denver wanted to hold off one more week because they wanted to start Sanders this week against their opponent. I think uh, they play in India this week. Uh, uh, Yeah. Escapes the line. Anyway, uh, but the 49ers insisted on making the deal because they wanted to make sure that they had – a Sanders, so they could play him this week against Carolina, and so you know he's going to get out on the field. They're going to you know going to crash course and probably give him a, a limited amount of set of routes or whatever to run. And you know, of course, the route running has never been a problem with Emmanuel Sanders. But the fact here is that if you own Emmanuel Sanders, do you keep starting him as like a he was like a three or a flex option, you know, with a two upside uh, in, in Denver? Is that is that still what he is in your mind, or, or or do you try and sit him this week? I mean, there's there's only two weeks, two teams on a bye, but. A lot, of, a lot of Cowboys, a lot of Ravens sitting, you know. Do you go ahead and, and, and take a chance and start Emmanuel Sanders, or do you try and sit him if you can? I,
2: I think you sit him if you can. Um, like you said, he was kind of on the cusp of being an every-week starter anyway, and because you don't know how many packages he's going to have the week one, I think you got to try and sit him this week if at all possible. Um, again, there's a lot. There's only two teams on by, and there's a lot of those kind of – number three, number four flex-type flex type receivers, which have some decent matchups. So I think you're probably not going to need to start them uh, this week unless you happen to have a lot of starters that are on a bye for Baltimore and Dallas. So, yeah, but next week he probably fits
1: right back into that number three flex category, at least, okay. depending on that. So let's, let's get to the more interesting one that you want to talk about, of course, is the New England Patriots, the rich getting richer, right? Getting Mohamed Sanu from the Atlanta Falcons for a 2 well, people say, well, how about a, how how come a two and not a three? Because basically, that's what they uh, what the Forty ers gave up, or a three and a what, a three and a four, and they gave back a five. I don't know; it's complicated. But anyway, they didn't get a two, uh, and then uh, well, it's because I think uh, Mohamed Sanu. First of all, I think he is younger by a couple of years than uh, than Sanders, but also he's under control for another season. He he's got a contract for next year. Uh, where Sanders' contract ends this year, but so he becomes a New England Patriot. Josh Gordon, of course, with the knee, we don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, Philip Dorsett's kind of been playing through a hamstring issue. Been he's been playing. Jacoby Myers has kind of made a contribution. Does that go away now? Where does Mohamed Sanu fit in as a Patriot, and is he is he worth a fantasy start? Because really, in, in, in as a Falcon, he was barely even startable.
2: Yeah, I, I think he definitely is. and This is one of those ones where I think he not only raises his value uh, because he's not going to be necessarily the third option every week at best or fourth option actually behind Hooper. He's going to be uh, in, the, in the mix every week. But I also think this is going to raise the, 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 the potential of everybody around him for, for the one big reason is that one of the things they've really missed this year, obviously they miss Gronk as a receiver. But, but one of the things that most people don't remember is that Gronk was a damn good blocker especially on screen passes and on the perimeter. And Mohamed Sanu is one of the best perimeter-blocking wide receivers in the league. Uh, and that's one of the reasons Bill Belichick has been going after him. He tried to get him in 2016 as a free agent. He tried to get him the preseason this year in a trade, and he finally got him. And now they, the one thing the Patriots do a lot, those screens to James White and the other backs and a little bit of the bubble screens, boy, having Sanu out front there is great. They can do trick plays with them. They can run him in the backfield as a wildcat. I mean, this is the perfect kind of Bill Belichick guy, and I think it's going to give him a little bit of opportunity to, tw- to twiddle around and make some-, some really creative plays and to do the plays they like to do better. So this is going to make all the Patriots better on offense, even if Sanu is only in a slightly better place himself because of the better offense that he's going to be in.
1: Yeah, that's right. You bring up a good point because he's thrown touchdowns uh, as a Falcon, uh, played out of the Wildcat there. He can, he can throw the deep ball. Uh, he runs and reverses. A blocker, like oh. you said. Yeah, he can run, run reverses and and around jet sweep. He could do all kinds of things there as a Patriot. Uh, and of course, they're, they've been so uh, you know banged up uh, that that core. Obviously, this this helps Tom Brady uh, too. Uh, yeah. Another quality uh, target out of the backfield there. But uh, So uh, it's very interesting to see how all this happened. And I think uh, the Falcons were, were crazy not to do this earlier, but they, they, they said, okay, we got a plan. Well, they could see they were kind of slowly phasing them out. They only caught one pass last week. They're 1-6 now. They're not going anywhere. The, uh, the Patriots offered them a two back in the, during draft day, uh, on, the, on the draft day. They wanted to, you know, and, 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 and the Falcons said no. Well, now they got smart, and they said, all right, give us the pick. and We'll take it. Here's their player. And now they're restocking because, obviously, they're, I think there's going to be a, a coaching change there because the, the coach is a defensive coach, and their defense is like one of the worst ones in the league. So I think it's just a matter of time before they make a change. And the biggest thing was that the Falcons are over the salary cap significantly after the season. And so they, got, they wiped away the rest of his salary for this year, which is over $3 million, And then next year's salary is almost $7 million, So they're getting rid of almost $10 million. $10 million Million dollars off the books right there, and that's going to help them significantly there. So uh, I, I'm with you. It's, I think this is a good trade for both teams in that regard. Hopefully, uh, Sanu will will make, get a little bit more fantasy value there, but it's going to be interesting to see how he shakes uh, shakes out. And also, it also maybe depends on how long uh, Josh Gordon's out. He might come back this week, or he might miss another two or three weeks. Uh, we don't, you know, the Patriots don't talk about knee injuries. He could have a, a you know torn ACL or whatever, and that's usually a four to six week injury. And he's only missed one game, so we'll see what happens there. Anyway, speaking of injuries and in knee injuries, let's get to the, De- the Detroit injury. Very important. on Johnson uh, suffered a knee injury. It was on Mums the Word uh, after the game. Uh, Matt Patricia, the head coach, said, uh, oh, he's fine. He's okay, yeah. Well, Adam Schefter leaked the news on Monday that he's got a significant knee injury and he's going to miss some time. We didn't know how much time it was, and then it broke about – four or five hours ago that he uh, underwent knee surgery and they're putting him on IR and he's out for at least eight weeks and fe- effectively killing his the rest of the season because after eight weeks, he's, uh, he'd be week 16. So, uh, you know, it, it, only if the Lions are still in the playoff chase and they've been fading recently here uh, would they actually probably entertain bringing him back in and putting him in. So it's going to be the Ty Johnson show and J.D. McKissick there. So what's your opinion on uh, Ty Johnson, J.D. McKissick, uh, what should you do if you're a fantasy owner, Chris? Uh,
2: well, if, if Ty Johnson's there, you got to pick him up because whether or not it's the long-term plan for the rest of this year, he's almost guaranteed to be the, to carry the load this weekend in a very good matchup. And We'll talk more about him later. Remember back in week two, though, right after they were split in time with C.J. Anderson and on Johnson, and they surprisingly mm-hmm. cut C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson's still out there in fact, he was interviewing and trying out with a couple of teams this week, including Oakland, that really wanted him. So I was shocked that they didn't immediately today bring C.J. Anderson right back in. And if they do that, he could actually start this weekend because he knows the offense. But it, barring C.J. Anderson showing up in the next 24 hours or so, it's going to be the Ty Johnson show almost completely uh, this weekend uh, in, all passing in all passing and running situations with McKissick giving him a change of pace, in my opinion.
1: It's, uh, it's interesting you mentioned, mentioned CG Anderson. There's another back out there. The Saints signed this guy because Alvin Kamara didn't play this past week. Well, apparently they think Kamara is okay because they just cut Zach Zenner. Zach Zenner, the former Lion running back, so I wouldn't be surprised now Zach Zenner brought back into the mix there, so right. there's all kinds of possibilities here. I doubt that they're going to stick just, just with Ty Johnson and, and J.D. McKissick, because those guys both are kind of scat-back kind of guys. I think Ty Johnson's a little bit bigger than J.D. McKissick, but uh, and McKissick has a, has a history with those, uh, the coaches there, so that's the reason why they brought him and they like him in there. But like you said, they need a big power back. I think CG Anderson would fit in there good, and maybe even Zach Center. We'll see what's going on. But for this week, if you're out there and you've got Carragher and Johnson, you know, oh what do I do? You've got to grab Ty Johnson and stick him in your lineup if you need to, and I think he's going to do an okay job. Let's get right to the uh, injury news, and we're just going to go around the list real quickly here. Everyone knows about Patrick Mahomes last week, uh, dislocated kneecap. Uh, he's not going to play this this week uh, they're saying you know two to six weeks they're going to take it week by week andy reed f- refuses to put uh, a timetable on it so it's going to be matt moore's job there until that uh situation uh Remedies itself. Anyway, uh, Matt Ryan with the ankle. uh, He was spotted in a walking boot after the game. uh, Didn't finish the game. Uh, They're hoping that he'll be able to play this week. It depends on how his recovery goes. Uh, You know, if not, it'll be Matt Schaub there this week. Uh, uh, You know, unfortunately, Atlanta's going away to dumpster fire. And one and six, even worse than my Giants. And uh, just as just as bad as my Jets, so <laughs> New York, New York, take uh, take hope. At least there's another team out there that's struggling like you are. Anyway, uh, moving on over to New Orleans and Drew Brees. He's going to try and practice this week with that thumb. And uh, you know, I put him on the on the on the pick list. Uh, I mean, on the click list. If. He uh, practices and plays this week because they have a, a really good matchup this week at, at home, and we'll talk more about that later. Anyway, we'll see if he practices. Cam Newton with a foot, not going to start this week. Kyle Allen's the guy there. Baker Mayfield coming off the bye with a hip. He's expected to start good there. Mason Rudolph cleared the concussion protocol last week. He's going to play coming off that bye this week. We're good there. Uh, I already mentioned Malvin Kamara. It's technically, status is uncertain, but I don't think they would have cut Zach Zerner if he wasn't ready to go and rejoin the, uh, the, the crew there. The running back will We'll see what he does later this week in practice. James Connor with the quad. There was no really talk about him. Mike Tomlin came back after the bye and didn't really even mention him in the press conference, so that kind of tells me that it wasn't a big deal and he's probably going to end up playing. Of course, we'll find out in the practice reports this week. Uh, Matt Breida with the head. Uh, status is uncertain. I'm not sure if it's a concussion or not. We'll see if he practices later uh, tomorrow. Adrian Peterson with ankle Uh, He's kind of banged up He didn't practice again today They got to play uh, Thursday night in Minnesota He says he's going to play We'll see what happens Uh, You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's listed as questionable Then he plays But how effective is he going to be in Minnesota is a different matter there Uh, His running mate Tris Thompson with the toe sat again on Tuesday Looks like it's almost like a Devontae Adams type situation Where he's missing multiple weeks here Uh, You know, I wouldn't count on him this week Speaking of Devontae Adams, same situation there in Green Bay with the toe. We don't know if he's going to play this week. Adam Thielen, very interesting case, had that great catch, hurt his hamstring when he banged into the wall. Uh, they ruled him out immediately for the game, said it doesn't look good for this Thursday. Then all of a sudden this morning woke up feeling pretty good, and there's a chance he could play. He didn't practice today. I think it's going to come down to tomorrow. So if he practices tomorrow, maybe gets in a limited session or whatever, and they list him as questionable, it's going to be game-time decision. But all I know is that I've owned him on several teams. If he starts, you play him. Of course, if he doesn't, then you bench him. You know, it's a Thursday night game, so it's an easy call there. Anyway, A.J. Green in Cincinnati with the ankle day-to-day. Kind of iffy. They said uh, last week that he's probably not going to play until after the trade deadline, which means he's out this week, and then they have their bye. So I wouldn't count on him. Sammy Watkins with the hamstrings day-to-day. Tyrell Williams with the foot. He ran on Monday. It's a plantar fasciitis. It's very, it can be very painful. He's questionable to play this week. I think it depends on whether he comes back and practices tomorrow and Thursday and Friday, and we'll see what's going on there. I own him on several teams. I'm hoping he plays. <laughs> you got these Baltimore uh, Baltimore and Dallas players off, like Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown. We need Tyro Williams to come back. Anyway, uh, speaking, speaking of other receivers, speedy receivers, uh, Will Fuller with a hamstring out several weeks. Kenny Stills alert. If he's out on the waiver wire, grab him immediately. He's going to start opposite DeAndre Hopkins. Josh Gordon with the knee Already mentioned him. I don't know whether he's going to come back this week, next week, whenever. Uh, you have to talk to Bill Belichick about that. Sterling Shepard with a concussion. Interesting. He says he's going to play again this year. Well, that doesn't sound like he's going to play this week. He's listening to the doctors and his body, and we'll see. He's been out a couple weeks there. Deshaun Jackson with that abdomen. He had not played since week one. Have no idea. We'll see if he practices later this week. Christian Kirk with an ankle. A status is uncertain, of course, for this week. Marquise Goodwin and Debo Samuel, head and groin injuries. They're uncertain, but, of course, we know that uh, Emmanuel Sanders is going to play, so that kind of negates their value for right now. Tight ends real quick. Delaney Walker played only five snaps on that ankle last week. And status is uncertain. I'd be very hesitant to start him unless he practices fully by the end of the week. Jared Cook with an ankle in New Orleans. Boy, that's a really good matchup against Arizona. We, they hope he plays. We don't know. We'll see if he practices. And Chris Hurton with a hamstring, he may practice. Status is uncertain. We'll check him later in the week. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff. And the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's Expert League Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim. Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP, they cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, like the gentleman says, check out the website, ffmastermind.com. We've got free daily quick bits. We have weekly INS Sky Scanner reports. We have a premium weekly newsletter. By the way, the newsletter is going to be discounted at our our, week, uh, our, our midseason special. Normally it's fifteen ninety five. 95 It's going to be down to 12 95 on Wednesday morning. So check it out, 12 95 the cost of a pizza with a couple of toppings, toppings on it. For the rest of the season, that's a good deal. Uh, now let's get right to, uh, oh, follow me on Twitter, at Mastermind, of course. Now let's get right to the picks to click and flick. For week eight, give me a couple of quarterbacks you like this week and why, Chris?
2: Kind of like Derek Carr this week. I mean, the Texans have just been giving up a ton of quarterback fantasy points recently. They've allowed 10 touchdowns the last three weeks. And while you might be able to excuse Mahomes and, and Matt Ryan letting them up while trailing in those games, uh, Jacoby Brissett, and a run-heavy offense just lit them up last week while playing from ahead. So this could actually be a high-scoring game or at least a need-to-come-from-behind game. So I think Carr could have a high volume and high success day against the 29th-rated pass defense. It's kind of in a funk. Interesting note, Carr has thrown two touchdowns in every road game so far this year and only two total in all of his home games, and they're playing on the road. Uh, I also kind of like Jared Goff this week. Uh, Against top ten pass defenses this year, Goff has been terrible fantasy-wise. Against the five defenses outside the top ten, has a minimum of 21 points and an average of over 25 points per game. Cincy is definitely not top 10. They've got a world of injuries in their secondary. And even with that weak run defense, Cincinnati still allows a ton of passing points. Golf prime for a big day at home.
1: Okay. Uh, well, a couple guys I like this week, and I already mentioned him. Drew Brees, if he plays with that thumb, uh, he's playing at home against the Cardinals. And so I think that there's going to be success there. And even if Drew Brees doesn't play, Teddy Bridgewater's worth a shot there, too. Uh, to it's another good situation for him. Uh, he played a good game last week up in uh, Chicago. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, also, a surprise that Ryan Tanhill looked really sharp in his first uh, debut as a starter for the Titans last week, hitting on the, the open receivers, uh, crossing the pattern, and throwing touchdowns in the red zone, something that Marcus Marietta hadn't been doing in months, if not since last year. Uh, so uh, they get the Bucks this week, and it is a home game, and the Bucks are very tough against the run, but uh, have one of the worst pass secondaries in the in the league. So uh, start Tannehill if you need him. Uh, let's just, just tell you how much I like Tannehill this week. I do have a couple of guys that are injured, like Matt Ryan, and if Ryan doesn't play, probably going to end up playing Tannehill this week, but we'll see. A couple of guys I'm not crazy about this week, uh, Phil Rivers. Callum Mack and friends are pissed off in Chicago, and that's where he has to play this week. Uh, might be good for a garbage-time TD against them, but I don't think he's going to have a really big game, so be careful there. And Jameis Winston, the Titans are going to really limit him down in Tennessee, uh, probably throw a couple of uh, picks there. Uh, he's been really struggling there. You know, he might end up throwing a touchdown or two there, but you know, I just don't like the overall uh, feel of the game there. It's going to be a struggle for him to get 20 points this week for, as a quarterback, so be careful there. How about a couple of quarterbacks you're not crazy about and why, Chris?
2: Uh, my homeboy, Joe C- Jacoby Brissett. He's been hot. He's been a top-ten quarterback all season statistically, but this is a bad matchup. The Broncos have just been red-hot on past defense, and they've not allowed more than 18 fantasy points yet to a quarterback, and they've only averaged 11 points per game allowed. Uh, scary fact for Colts fans, uh, the Broncos have forced a mid-game quarterback change for two straight weeks. So don't change last chase last week's points. Bench Brissett this week unless you have to. And I don't like Carson Wentz again. He's been held under 200 passing yards three of his last four games, and this week travels to face one of the most stifling pass defenses in the league. He has more turnovers than touchdowns over the last three games combined and has looked skittish in the pocket. Buffalo only averaging 13 points per game allowed to fantasy quarterbacks, but to be fair, they've not played a lot of good ones, although they did completely stifle Brady. I would just stay away from from Wentz this week.
1: Okay, how about a couple of running backs you like and why?
2: I do like James Conner. You mentioned him earlier. I think he's going to play this week. His touch share has increased dramatically with the injury to Jalen Samuels. And with the quarterback situation, it's increased the workload of the running game and the running back target share in the passing game. Mason Rudolph back from that grizzly hit. I look for them to continue to protect the passer with a heavy dose of the running back in their primetime game this week and facing the generous Miami run, quote-unquote, defense. That's allowed the most rushing yards per game is a good way to get the offense healthy and keep the QB healthy. Um, and then I like Ty Johnson. You mentioned him earlier. The rookie clearly got the lion's share, haha, of the snaps and touches mm-hmm. once Carryon got hurt, and he was in there on the goal line offense as well. If if you watched any of the game, um, Ty Johnson has a juicy matchup as I mentioned earlier for those in need during the bye weeks or in DFS for a cheap option. The G-men were just shredded by Chase Edmonds off the bench last week and by a running back nearly every week, so. Worst yards per carry allowed, a ton of receptions at running backs. I like Ty Johnson. And, again, if C.J. Anderson signs in the next 24 hours, you might even want to think about him because he can step into the starting role.
1: Okay, a couple of running backs I like this week. Uh, Sonny Michelle. Well, he's coming off a three-touchdown game against the Jets. I'm not sure if he's going to score three uh, touchdowns against the Browns, but they've allowed four running back scores in their past two games. So that averages out to two for Michelle, and that's good enough for me to start him. <laughs> LaShawn McCoy, Kansas City Chiefs. I think he's going to score against the Packers at home. Their run defense is not very good, and they're probably going to go mostly run heavy with Matt Moore, quarterback, instead of Patrick Mahomes. So you can start LaShawn McCoy with. Uh, with confidence, there a couple of guys I'd be worried about this week. Temper your expectations with Derrick Henry. The Buck defense is the one, the basically uh, next to the Patriots, maybe <laughs> the, the top defense in the league for against the run. Uh, they limited uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, twice. Uh, so, uh, and Henry doesn't catch many passes, so I'd be very careful there. You might be looking at a four or five point game there for Henry, um, even in the PPR league. Uh, Frank Gore, uh, the Eagles' run defense, I think, is going to rebound this game against Frank, uh, against uh, the the Bills and Frank Gore. And, of course, I think Singletary now is more healthy, so there's going to be uh, more of an even split between Gore and Singletary. I'd be careful about Gore this week, and I uh, wouldn't start him if, unless you absolutely have no choice there. Anyway, uh, how about a couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why, Chris?
2: I'm going to start with Phillip Lindsay. It's a little bit deceiving, but the Colts have not allowed a 100-yard rusher in nearly two years, and they've allowed a little over 60 rushing yards per game so far this year. They've not allowed a running back to go into double digits in PPR scoring since week four and only allowed two rushing scores all season. So with the timeshare in the backfield in Denver, the increasing health of the Colts' defense, this looks like a risky play for a guy splitting time, especially one that is big play and touchdown dependent and losing looks in the passing game to Royce Freeman. And then it's caution play Nick, for Nick Chubb. He's a matchup proof start at this point, but he does remain a caution play. The Patriots defense has shut down everyone and not allowed over 10.9 PPR points to a running back in any week yet this year. They haven't faced a great one aside from shutting down Le'Veon Bell twice, though. So, again, to be fair, they will commit extra guys to the box and let their secondary take their chances with the receivers for Cleveland and Baker Mayfield. Chubb's big games have been due to touchdowns. New England has not yielded one on the ground yet.
1: Yeah, that's an amazing defense there. Okay, how about a couple wide receivers you like and why?
2: I like Golden Tate in a classic revenge game. Uh, The veteran knows how to attack this leaky secondary, especially if Slay is gimpy again, and they just traded team captain Quandre Diggs earlier today. The underneath and the slot guys have been the primary weapons against this defense, so Tate could have a field day out of the slot in his old stomping grounds. Hard to argue against 20 targets the last two games and averaging over 90 yards per game, or the 30th-ranked pass defense across the room as well. And then for the second week in a row, I like John Brown. Um, he gets an even better matchup this week, and because this week the chances of using the running game successfully are a little bit reduced because of the good rush defense, uh, I like Brown to get maybe a couple more upticks and targets. No one allows more point per game to receivers, and the most yards and touchdowns at the position as well. So this is another great chance at a TD as well as a big play.
1: Okay, a couple of wide receivers I like this week. Corey Davis uh First time as a click in ages. Yeah, normally he's on the flick list, and a lot of that probably had to do with Marcus Mariota not being able to connect with him. But he connected pretty well with uh, Ryan Tannehill, including a touchdown pass last week, and guess what? He gets the Bucks this week at a home game. Bucks can't guard anybody uh, defensively in their secondary. Corey Davis is going to score this week. Uh, and, by the way, another one, A.J. Brown, if you got him, uh, you could start him too. Uh, Maybe he's a three But uh, he's got a good chance to score too He's a dynamic player Kenny Galladay in Detroit uh, People were really disappointed last week Because Amendola and Marvin Jones Four touchdowns and all those passes and all Well, Kenny's going to say, where's mine? Uh, He's going to rebound at home this week against the Giants I wouldn't be surprised right off the bat Maybe even another flea flicker to the Galladay We'll see you start him with confidence, don't worry about it. You're going to start him anyway. Just make sure uh, that you do get him in the lineup there. A couple of guys I'd be concerned about this week, OBJ, I love the guy you know, as, as a giant. But uh, lately, as a Cleveland Brown, one touchdown, I don't know. I don't know many catches, but not many, many. And guess what? He met, gets Mr. Gilmore this week uh, in the New England. So I'd be very careful about him. You're going to put him in the lineup, but you're probably praying for some kind of fluky uh, slant pass where he can take it the distance. I don't think that that's going to happen, although Golden Tate did do it to him. Only a couple weeks ago. We'll see on that, but be, temper your expectations. Tyler Boyd, Cincinnati, uh, Jalen Ramsey is going to be all over you in London. Uh, that's that's his assignment there, so be careful there. I wouldn't expect too much out of Tyler Boyd. You're probably going to start him, but, you know, just about any Cincinnati guy like Joe Mixon, you're going to start normally, and you end up being disappointed. Such is life as a Bengal fan. Okay. How about a couple of wide receivers you're not crazy about and why, Chris?
2: I'm going to say any wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. The 49ers have allowed so few wide receiver catches and points. That's not even close to the team that's number two on the list. I look at Kyle Allen. He's also been solid but unspectacular most of his games for fantasy. But he has arguably faced four of the five worst pass defenses in the NFL during that stretch. So being challenged for the first time with Frisco, I think the entire passing game is going to struggle this week, and I'd hesitate to start either Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore unless you need to. And then a guy I'm kind of worried about is Brandon Cooks. He's, he's really not broken out yet this year, and the Bengals have given up a ton in the air, but almost none of it has been to outside or speed guys. They're getting killed by high-volume slot or underneath guys, so I suspect that this week is a chance for Woods and Cup to get all the action while Cook gets very little. He's had under 10 PPR points for three straight games and only eight catches for a little over 100 yards over those three games. So I'm really wary about Brandon Cooks right now.
1: Okay. What about a couple tight ends you like and why?
2: A little bit of a gut feeling this one. I'm going to go with Ben Watson. If you watched his first game back uh, on Monday night, uh, he had five targets and three catches, and the two he missed were both in the red zone, one in the end zone. The team clearly has targeted him in close, and I think this week he scores against the team that he had his best years with a while back in Cleveland. Cleveland has been worse than average in allowing tight end points, but they allow disproportionate touchdowns. They've allowed four touchdowns and only 25 catches. So I think he's a very good play in scoring heavy leagues especially. And I like Darren Fells again this week. Oakland's given up the third most fantasy points per game to tight ends, and they've really not played many good ones. And they've allowed scores in 10-plus point games to some fairly mediocre talents. Bells has been top ten in points per game, receptions, and touchdowns over the last five weeks amongst tight ends. And I think he gets a juicy matchup here and stays hot.
1: Okay. A couple of tight ends I like this week. Jared Cook, if he plays with an ankle, you know, he gets the Cardinals and they can't guard the tight end. And if he doesn't play, Josh Hill, that's, there's your uh, REM sleeper alert there if you need him. And if you own Cook and you don't have a backup or maybe your backup's like Mark Andrews on a bye – Picking up Josh Hill is not a bad play here just to see who plays. Austin Hooper, you know that he's going to produce, well, he gets the Seahawks and they play the tight end real soft, so you're going to start Austin Hooper. A couple of guys I'm not crazy about this week. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones, Cleveland, not against the Patriots. Everyone knows uh, they can't. Uh, they're, they're guarding everybody, shutting everybody down. And also Greg Olson, Carolina. The 49ers play the the, the tight end, very tight. I think a lot of these, uh, a lot of the passing that Kyle Allen's going to do is going to end up being to Christian McCaffrey at the backfield, like they always normally do there. So I'd be careful about starting Olson this week. How about a couple of tight ends you're not crazy about and why, Chris?
2: I'll start with T.J. Hawkinson. The G-Men have allowed two Dallas tight ends to catch touchdowns in week one and have only allowed one other tight end to top three PPR points since week one and zero touchdowns allowed. Many ways to attack the Giants, but the tight end simply isn't one of them. He's not topped 35 yards in a game since week one, and that was just against the freakishly bad tight end covering Cardinals. So he's not even picking up points in their high-volume passing game. you got to sit, T.J. And then I'm a little worried about Zach Ertz. Uh, The Bills have traditionally covered the tight end very well for several years. This year are number three, allowing the fewest targets to the position, and a piddly 17 catches and zero touchdowns so far. Ertz has totally taken a backseat to Goddard in targets and red zone looks in recent weeks, and this week does not look like the chance to break out of his funk. I'm not even sure he's the top ten option this week, quite honestly.
1: Okay. How about a a couple of one-hit wonders at uh, kicker and defense? Hit me with them. The
2: kickers are a couple of repeats from the last few weeks, and we we'll start with Cody Parkey. Tampa allows the most points per game to kickers, and conservative Tennessee kicks a lot of field goal attempts. And then Adam Vinatieri, the old man, 22 years and 15 games against Denver, he's missed one kick, and it was a 52-yarder at the, at, at a halftime buzzer. Denver allows the second most field goal attempts. I like Vinny this week. And then for defenses, I like Detroit, even without their, their secondary against the Giants at home. Detroit was top 12 through week six. The Giants are fourth most generous to opposing fantasy defenses. And then I like my Colts uh, at home against Denver, especially because they lost one of their big weapons. Denver has allowed some big numbers to opposing defenses, and Indianapolis has been very solid fantasy-wise for two straight weeks.
1: Okay. Well, I want to remind everyone that a premium weekly newsletter purchase gets you access to our subscriber forum, where there are nearly 4,000 subscribers registered and waiting to voice their opinions. Thank you for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Mike Nazarek. See you all next week when we preview week nine. Yes, the halfway points. Good night and good luck to everyone playing this week.
0: You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarek, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.